You're listening to Bible Prophecy Daily, a weekday podcast where Bible prophecy matters and matters greatly. This is Bible teacher Nelson Walters, and the four horsemen are the most iconic prophecy in the Bible. But they will be very different than most Christians believe. And that's why this is a must-hear teaching, because it's likely that everyone alive watching this video will experience at least one or two of the horsemen. They are coming fast and furious toward this world, so we decided this is a crucial teaching to get out there, especially because almost all teachings on the horsemen are about them as individuals. Who is the white horse rider? Who is the red? Almost no teachings are about who they are as a unit of four, the way the Bible presents them. And they are way different than you probably think. So how are they different? They serve a different purpose. The riders of the horses are different types of individuals than you've thought, and the Bible has a lot more to say about them than you thought. In fact, it says enough that we should be able to predict what events mark each seal and who is involved. But first, let's start with their purpose. The four horsemen, you know, the riders of the white horse, red horse, black horse, and green horse from Revelation 6, 1 through 8, are also known as the horsemen of the apocalypse and are frequently associated with disaster. There's even a famous old Notre Dame football backfield that was named after them because they brought disaster to opposing teams. But what the horsemen of Revelation 6 bring to the world isn't just disaster. Let me say that again because that's very important. What the horsemen bring to the world isn't just disaster. It's the Antichrist. And eventually, once the Antichrist comes, they help usher in King Jesus as well. But first, they are the means that Satan uses to bring the Antichrist to power. That is the way we should primarily think about them. And once the Antichrist is in power, as we said, it's only 1260 days until Jesus returns and rules the world. So, they are the first of 21 events that lead to Jesus. We call these events seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bowls, and they're the first of these, the first four seals. The initial way Christians get the horsemen wrong is arguing about who brings on the horsemen. Is it Jesus or is it Satan? When the correct answer is that it's both. Let's look at what the Bible says. I watched as the lamb opened one of the seven seals and heard one of the four living creatures say in a thunderous voice, Come, Revelation 6.1. Jesus is in heaven. The living creature who says come is next to the throne. So there's no doubt that it's God who is choosing the timing of each seal's opening. And by the voice of that living creature who says come is at least allowing the events that follow it to happen. That's because, as Jesus said in Matthew 24, 6, these are the things that must take place, must take place prior to his return. 
Jesus is definitely allowing them. But Satan is actually causing the events themselves. Well, how do we know that? Because these are wrathful events, war, economic collapse, famine, pestilence. And we know God pours out no wrath until the sixth seal. These are the first four seals, so six seals after that. In Revelation 6.17, we read the great day of their wrath, that is the wrath of a triune God, has come, present time, and who can stand? So that means the wrath of God happens after the sixth seal, not back during the first four seals. And that leaves Satan to actually cause the events that follow the ride of each horseman. Okay, so Jesus chooses the timing and allows the events. But Satan causes the events. This is identical to the process we learn about in the book of Job. Prior to Job's great testing, Satan appeared before God in heaven in Job 1, 8 through 11. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? For there is no one on earth like him, a man who is blameless, upright, who fears God and shuns evil. Satan answered the Lord, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? But stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. This is a most interesting exchange between Satan and God, and we believe it will be identical to what happens during the ride of the four horsemen. Unlike in the days of Job, however, it's not going to be restricted to one man, but all the people of God worldwide. Satan desires to test the people of God, feeling that if God removes his hedge of protection from around them, they will fall away and curse God. So God permits Satan to send these four horsemen as a test. And some will fall away during that time. Others will endure just like Job. So if you look at what Job endured during his testing, it was the loss of his family in a windstorm, you know, probably some natural disaster like a tornado or hurricane, the loss of his property in raids from neighboring tribes and from lightning strikes of his animals. Then Job lost his health as he was afflicted with sores. And finally, he was tormented by his friends and even his wife who blamed Job for his own adversity. Very much like tribulation-like events. Death, natural disasters, sword, economic collapse, pestilence. So the four horsemen, which are the beginning of the birth pangs events, are prefigured in the book of Job. Let's look at a second purpose of the four horsemen, to bring the Antichrist to power, which we said is you know, one of the primary purposes. We could compare Revelation 6, 1 through 8, which describes the seals, and Revelation 13, which describes the beast and the false prophet. And we will see that the Antichrist and his assistant appear to provide the solutions to the problems presented by the seals. The four colors of the seals are white, false peace, red, bloodshed, black, economic collapse, and green or pale green, pestilence, and death. In Revelation 13, each of these are addressed by the Antichrist and the false prophet. When the Antichrist comes on the scene, he is likely the one to help bring on the false peace as per Daniel 9.27. 
the false prophet's miracle signs show that the Antichrist was worthy to be the one to have brought about this peace. And by the signs, it, the false prophet, is allowed to work in the presence of the first beast, and it deceives those who dwell on the earth. When the false peace finally breaks down, this is what the world says about the Antichrist. And they worship the beast, saying, Who is like the beast, and who can fight against it? The beast seems like a protector figure in a world of war and insurrections because no one can fight against him. Next, the black horse is one of economic collapse. What is the beast's solution? Why the mark of the beast in Revelation 13, 16 through 18, of course, where only those with the mark will be able to buy and sell. When the black horse rides, we see the cost of food is a hundred times what it is today. Think things are expensive now? I just wait for the black horse. At that point, the beast will likely say, the problem is we have too little food for too many people. So let's only give food to those who are worthy. Those will be the people willing to take this mark and worship me. To the unregenerate of the world who are starving, this will seem like a good solution. More food for us. Then finally, there's the problem of death itself. On the fourth horse, the green or pale green horse, rides death itself, and he is given power over a quarter of the earth to kill. This, of course, will be Satan's master stroke of evil genius. He will likely have the beast solve the death problem. Yes, you heard me correctly. People will be dying all over the world from disease, war, and famine, and he will likely roll us something out, maybe a genetic upgrade that keeps you from dying. Want eternal life apart from Jesus? He'll say, well, here, take this upgrade and this mark. Now we know that something like this has to happen because at the fifth trumpet in Revelation 9, 6, people are tormented by demon locusts, yet they are unable to die even though they want to. Well, how is that possible? It's not possible in today's current world where suicide is an all too common thing. But it would be possible if the current world biological system was disrupted. Another clue that something serious has changed is found in Jesus' Olivet Discourse, where he says to those unrepentant at his return, those who managed to survive the Great Tribulation, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Matthew 25, 41. We're so familiar with this passage, but we don't see what it really means. Why are the devil and angels sent to this fire? Because their death requires special means. They are heavenly, immortal beings after all. And is that the reason then that the unrepentant are sent there? Because they've also been given an upgrade of some sort to make them immortal beings. And they also then require these special means, this eternal fire, to eliminate them. So, what seemed like a solution turned out to be a horrible and damning mistake. So, the four horsemen, false peace, bloodshed, economic collapse, and death, will pose a decision for every person on earth. Trust Jesus and his Holy Spirit and eternal life with him. Or, 
trusts Satan's solutions, the Antichrist, and his false eternal life. Those who look at the world with fleshly eyes will choose Antichrist. It will seem the easy way out to these problems. How will Christians ever overcome these things? Revelation 12.11 tells us they have conquered him, Satan, by the blood of a lamb, by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even unto death. So three things, placing your faith in Jesus' completed work on the cross, being willing to speak your testimony, and even being willing to die for it. So often in our churches today, we hear someone quote this verse, and they leave off that last part about facing death willingly. They are setting up their churches for the great falling away, unfortunately. This brings us to who it is that rides these horses. Only one rider is clearly identified. That's the rider of the green or pale horse, who is death. That's obviously not a human. It's a powerful demonic creature who is eventually thrown into the lake of fire, the eternal fire at the very end of the millennium. So the final rider or horseman is a demon. And this leads me to surmise that they are all supernatural demons, not humans. Further supporting this is the fact that the horses that they ride are supernatural. These colored horses are first found in Zechariah 6.5. The prophet is given an answer as to who these horses are. Those going out to the four winds of heaven after presenting themselves before the Lord of the earth. So they're heavenly beings of some sort. Probably the same type of heavenly horse that Jesus rides when he returns to fight Armageddon. So if the horsemen are demons, they are not political figures. They aren't Mohammed. They aren't Trump or any other president or the Ayatollah or even the Antichrist. If you're guessing humans, you are almost certainly mistaken. They are demons from Satan's kingdom riding into this world on spiritual horses likely from the heavenly kingdom. This shows the dichotomy. It shows God permitting their coming by giving them the horses, but the events themselves are Satan's doing, just like in the book of Job. So what events are they portraying? What event starts the 70th week of Daniel, according to most people's interpretation? The Antichrist peace covenant. So doesn't it make sense that the white horse would summon a demon of deceit into this world, promising a false peace through a covenant that would bring that about. If we realize that white can be a color of false righteousness and false peace, then this makes more sense. Jesus called the Pharisees whitewashed tombs after all. And that makes this very appropriate. Also notice the writer himself of this white horse carries a bow with no arrows. And that is a symbol of peace in and of itself. The first time this Greek word toxon or bow is used in the Bible is in Genesis 9, 13 through 16, where it is God laying down his own battle bow in the sky, symbolized by a rainbow, as the covenant promise not to destroy the world once again with water. So the bow is a picture of a covenant, a covenant that the rider of the white horse carries. And he has a crown, a Stephanos crown, not a crown of dominion, 
but a crown of victory, an olive branch crown. Who is symbolized by such a crown that symbolizes peace? Why, the UN. So the UN appears to be the one that creates a worldwide covenant with the many, promising to never destroy the world. A covenant that conquers the world, just like the white horse rider, without firing a shot. That is what the symbols seem to say. When we see this, then we know that the first seal is broken. The red horse takes that peace, that false peace, from the world. So obviously at some time after the peace comes, a fiery red bloodshed and war horse is going to ride. The Greek word for this type of red is poros, meaning fiery red. The first time this color is found in the Bible is in association with Esau and Edom, whose descendants are the Mohammedans or Muslims. Will this taking of peace from the whole world be an uprising of these people groups in every nation, people, and language? Very, very likely, the demon rider of this red horse is given a megas, or widespread sword after all. So when we see something like this, like a worldwide uprising of a people group like uh, the Mohammedans, then we can expect that the second seal is broken. When the black horseman of economic collapse rides, hyperinflation strikes the world. In Revelation 6.6, we're told the price of wheat to bake a single loaf of bread will cost an entire day's wages. When we see that type of hyperinflation, we know the third seal is broken. Then the death horse rides, bringing death by war, famine, and disease. And these four demons of deception, bloodshed, economic collapse, and death keep riding right on through the rest of Daniel's 70th week until the return of our King Jesus. And most incredibly of all, did you know that the four horsemen are found in Jesus's Olivet Discourse? Thanks for listening to Bible Prophecy Daily. We hope you learned something valuable today. Be sure to subscribe wherever you heard this podcast so you never miss an episode. 